0: Hi, welcome to the Game Boy Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Aaron Varshay.
1: And Shandine Woodward.
0: And I'm Ryan Leoski. First things first, I want to thank Michaela and Ken uh, of Tiny Sky for doing the really awesome music every week. Um, If you like their music for our intro, check them out at bandcamp.com slash tinysky. I think that's how those URLs work. It's either that or tinysky.bandcamp.com. You'll find it. It's good times. Good times. Speaking of good times... How are you guys doing?
1: I'm doing okay, I think. Maybe.
0: <laughs> why, why do you think just okay?
1: Um, I don't know. I feel like free time is kind of sparse lately, but that's okay.
0: I feel that. I mean, we're kind of in that together, but yeah. I feel, that. I feel <laughs> that.
1: We
2: have no
0: free time. Seriously, yeah, we're that's doing what, it together.
1: That's what wedding planning does.
2: Ooh. <sighs> Who's getting married?
1: Oh, I don't know.
2: Some two two nerds. I don't know.
0: Two nerds. two two regular cats. Yeah. Yeah, and we're Ryan getting married. It's gonna Shady. be cool. It's gonna be, cool. <laughs> it's gonna be the best <laughs> wedding ever. There's gonna be lightsabers. What there's gonna be uh jetpacks. Oh and there's gonna be what? There no, are you? now you're just promising me things like I can't have. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Cats
1: with lightsabers.
0: Cats with lightsabers. Why do you have to torture me like this. Legitimately though, we were kind of talking about this earlier. We were talking about uh, all the the bridal party and all the groomsmen, like carrying cats down the down the <laughs> aisleway. And I don't know if we were completely joking about that either. If you can make it work, I'd be so into it though. Yeah. Yeah. I worry though, just because uh, it's an outdoor wedding Oh, um, yeah, and yeah. I don't want to lose my cats. It's uh, it's just whatever. Maybe we won't do that unless we could get them on little harnesses and we could have them like ag- uh, whatever.
1: Auburn does the leash. One of our cats goes on a leash.
0: Yeah. So, Aaron, how are you? <laughs> oh, <shit>. oh, hey. <laughs> I, I was
2: going to talk about the wedding more, but okay. I mean, we could I'm, talk I'm about good. the wedding more. Welcome
0: to the Wedding Void Podcast. <laughs> yeah, Wedding Void. The Wedding Void. Oh I, like, my don't God. know what that is. I, it I sounds feel like a wormhole like, full of just, like, wedding things. Yeah, <laughs> I feel <laughs> like those are there. weddings that were planned, but just, like, kind of fall by the wayside. Oh, man. Oh, my God. That sounds kind of like a that's scary kind of, That's depressing. Yeah. yeah. You go to the, wow. like,
2: Wedding Void, and you're just like, a have been banished here for all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!
1: <laughs> oh, well,
2: I'm kind of depressed now. Thanks, Ryan. You're welcome. You know what? I'm. Besides that, I'm doing okay. I'm feeling good. Things are going all right.
0: Solid A OK. Yes, I feel that. Solid A OK. A A OK. That's a <laughs> lot. Of, ah. Speaking of like good times and stuff, we're segueing again. This is a perfect segue. The best segue. I make the best segues. You wouldn't believe. <laughs> you were making the best segues. I am, still. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, let's talk about, like, games and stuff, because we weddings are cool, and I'm very happy to be getting married and everything to this wonderful person, Aaron. I mean, <laughs> sorry. Oh. Sean Dean, oh, okay. I mean, surprise. Um, Wait, let's talk about games. Okay, let's, let's, let's actually talk about games. Yeah, let's actually talk about games. What? What have we been playing? Uh, who would like to go first? I will. You will.
1: I have been playing nothing but Splatoon. <gasps> oh! I, ever, since the day it came out, I don't think I've touched another game. It's awful. It's I can't stop, but I love that game so much. I love Splatoon so much. <laughs> it's
0: so beautiful. Oh, it's so good. was it? Um... I, I don't know, I don't completely remember the last time we did this podcast. This this month has been kind of crazy mm-hmm. f- for us. But, like, Splatoon either just came out or was about to come mm-hmm. out. Hmm? And since then, I don't know if we talked about Splatoon last time. I think time. we talked about Splatoon a little bit. Well, I think, uh, I think it's been out. Last time we talked was about two weeks before the eclipse. Or a week before the eclipse. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah. like, a community has come around it. And like a whole bunch of stuff. So you wanna elaborate on all that stuff?
1: Yeah, I guess. Um what about it? Well, there's so there's so much Splatoon meta. It's ridiculous. I think the Splatoon Reddit is one of the best places ever. That's the meta um, like in Splatoon. It it kind of has a lot to do with which which weapons are used in different situations or Ooh. different like it's like tips and tricks are different different things you do hmm. uh kind of like mostly like higher level play and some advanced advanced stuff
2: do certain weapons kind of like counter other weapons
1: um yeah that could happen i mean there's all the weapons there's a different range like there's super short range weapons and there's super long range weapons and they all have there's range fire rate and damage and they all have a different combo of each of those, so um, you can get like just like a completely different combination of stuff, and they all have different like subs and supers to go with them. So you can customize how you play um, really well in like such such like simplified um, arena. Uh, so like that that goes all into meta and like different ways of like farming resources and stuff out of like power ups and upgrades and things like that. But... Yeah, it's kind of it, it's it's uh, it's intense and it's sometimes kind of subtle, but it's fun. Um, and then we've been going to some tournaments. Like there's a a local video game store called Gamers Anonymous in our city, and um, they've been hosting like Splatoon tournaments every other weekend. And we've been going to those, and they're just kind of like fun and casual, and mostly community driven.
0: Although we. The first one, oh yeah, Like we won. We won we like her. all of our well, matches. We're old.
1: We're old splatoonish from Splatoon One.
0: I don't know. You still had that like kind of rival from that other team, and we oh, like yeah. we went that up girl, against she them. Was,
1: she was good uh, during Splatoon One too, but then we beat that. We still beat her then and her team, and they're <laughs> back and they they're, beat her they're then. salty we'll beat her and fiery. <laughs> I don't know. She might beat me. She was good.
0: So, like in the second tournament. When, uh, the second tournament, it was randomized teams, uh, just cause we were still trying to figure out rule sets and everything. So, yeah. uh, our team wasn't the same one as the first time where we actually got to decide squid it. wave, Team Squidwave. Yes, Team Squidwave.
1: <laughs> like, like vape wave Followed by
0: some jelly-like arm movements. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like Vaporwave meets Splatoon. Whoa. Uh, in a way. Um... But the second week, because of the randomized teams, I was on uh, a different team with other people, and it was not as good of a team, I'm not going to lie, but that's okay. I kind of wanted to lose in a way, which is kind of a weird thing to think (laughs) about, but I wanted... Masochism. Well, no, I wanted the drama. Oh, yeah. I wanted to build up the drama. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I don't want one team winning all the time. I want there to be, like, rivalries and things like that. Don't want one punch man syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But when... uh, (laughs) When that happened, I it got hype for me. Like, like oh, I was yeah. yelling during the match. I'm like, "Come on!" Because <laughs> we, oh we were we were playing uh, we were playing Rainmaker, and that one, like, you could get like really into it because there could be just like just a straight drive to to the goal and yeah. you win. It's just crazy.
1: Sorry, oh, I man. just kind of
0: hijacked your. Oh thing. no, go it's ahead, okay.
1: But I think one of the most amazing things about Splatoon Two is the portability. Where you can get, like, eight people and their switches, which we definitely had more than eight people. We had, like, I don't know, like, 16 to 20 switches floating around in some of the competitions. You get those together, and you've got yourself a really, really easy um, way to form, like, tournaments and local multiplayer um, gameplay. And that was really fun. Splatoon one on the like with the Wii, is that was like impossible. It was so hard. We tried it once. There was one tournament, and it just like it never happened again. It was really difficult.
0: Yeah, this one feels like it's really trying to build up the uh, eSport of yeah. it. Like they have a LAN mode where uh, you could hook up to ten different switches, and two of them are specifically for commentators.
2: Whoa.
0: Yeah, and they can, oh, like, yeah. look at the the map and, like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of cool, like, what they're doing with that. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. I,
2: I, w- I hope that more games try and pull that LAN uh, element back, because that, like, brings so much more to the table, I think, when you have people competing in one room together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so much more fun that way. Definitely. So, Aaron. Oh, no. I'm going to disappoint you guys. You're going to disappoint us. I haven't been playing... Anything uh, at that's, all. Okay. that's except, okay except for luminosity stuff that's about it what what's luminosity um, so luminosity is this really cool um, I, you guys can see use these on your computer but I use it almost exclusively on my phone. It's a bunch of like small mini games um, that are all designed to sort of like build your mental strength in some element or another so they break it down into like five or six categories. So they have games that work on your flexibility, games that work on your memory, games that work on your attention, games that work on your problem solving, and games that work on other stuff like that. Um, But...
0: um, Sorry, there's a cat on our table right now, and now she's gone. But um, it's really good.
2: It definitely... Is something that has, like, really, like, inspired me as far as, like, what I want to do in games. Like, it's all, like, productive gaming. Like, every time you play, you are, like, building up mental skills or, like, challenging your brain in a cool way. Like, there's games, like, oh, God, it kind of hurts sometimes to play. But there's this, this a really, really easy example. There's a game where, um, essentially, it's, like, rapid fire. You don't have to do things as fast as possible within, like, a minute. You're trying to go for, like, high scores. And what it does is it gives you two cards, right, the card on top will have a um, a color written on it, like black or yellow or red or blue. And then the card on the bottom will have another um, color written on it, like yellow or red or blue, but it'll have the text itself will be colored as well. Oh, no, oh yeah. So yeah. what oh they God. want you to do is to, like, as quickly as possible, like, it'll be, like, black, and the bottom card will say it will be black but written in blue. Mm. And so you have to say, like, no, like, that's not black lettering. And so you have to do these, like, rapid oh, yeah. fire. It's so Literally, like, it goes against everything your brain does. Yeah. Um, and try to do it as fast as you possibly can. Um, and a lot of games like that that are just, like, super, super... Oh, so hard, but, like, really interesting. And they have some more games that aren't as, like... Brain teasy, but they work on other skills like your memory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there'll be some that like will like have like a, a grid, and it'll show you like a bunch of blue tiles, and then it'll go away and try and remember which tiles were blue. And the better that you get, the more tiles they start throwing at you, um, and trying to go for high scores and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it's fun. Like you can just kick back and like play some little games on your phone and feel like really good about it at the end um, because you know that your brain just got like a little bit nice. stronger. But um, other than that, I haven't been playing. <laughs> anything i have been coaching my friend who plays gears of war though which is really funny (laughs) 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 he just plays gears four and i'll just stand behind him and be like gabe gabe where's your team where's your team figure out where your team is gabe you need to get to them gabe get to your team gabe you're gonna get singled out over here and i'll just like talk to him the entire (laughs) game which he he somewhat appreciates because like when we used to play together i used to be like more of the person who was operating on like figuring out like what we should be doing mm-hmm. as far as like trying to coordinate um so i have like the the tactical element that he needs but he has like more of like the reflexes and stuff so Sweet. i just
0: sit behind him and annoy him for like games at a time was it um really quick going back to the the luminosity stuff did you ever play like the the brain training on ds oh my god
1: that's what i was gonna mm-hmm. ask i couldn't remember the name of that game
0: <laughs> i never it was... played it on ds no so...
1: It's pretty cool. It's called Brain Training. Brain Training?
0: Yeah, with Dr. Kimashima.
1: Was it called Brain Training? Really? Yeah, I I think it was
0: I I think it's called Brain Training. Hmm. Uh I remember similar though. Yeah, it's kinda similar. It was like around 2005-2006 when the DS Lite came out and that was like this giant thing that made the DS super popular. Yeah. Um,
1: I think you took a test and it told you, brain age.
0: Brain. Brain
1: age. And it told you the age of your brain. Yeah. And like, you play it and you're like, say like you're like 16, you know, and you're like, I'm 16 my brain's all like young and sharp and you get it and it says you're like 40 years old and you're like really mad (laughs) and then you train your brain to get young
0: I feel like that's what we fit did as well, except for your body. You're like, "Hey, I'm 27," and you get onto the scale, and it's like you're you have the body of a six year old. I'm like, "Oh, okay." Thanks, Thanks.
1: Man.
0: <laughs> I am not a good person for that. Oh, that was
1: a fun game. It was interesting because it made you hold your DS. um on its side like it was like a book in your hand and you would write on it um, like it would be like a a vertical page where you're writing on like the right side the screen it was interesting yeah.
0: and you would fold it like a book yeah huh book style book hot style. dog style book style yeah you held out it already. hot dog style yeah that's cool you should try that out if you ever get a chance yeah <laughs> I wonder how far like the, the games have
2: come because I know that like a oh, lot of yeah. luminosities like games are, are centered around um, like real research,
1: ah, um, as yeah. to like
2: what those games do to your brain and like what kind of skills they foster. Um, and so it's interesting cause they'll have like early access titles that they kind of like release every once in a while and they kind of like add to their collection of games. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are just kind of like in the works of like testing them and stuff. And there's a lot of really, really good games in that. Like there's one that I freaking love. It's called train of thought. And essentially like you have, is there an actual train? Oh, there's a lot of trains. Seriously? there's a lot of trains so oh man i'm is, interested now it's like it's like this little, <laughs> it's like imagine if you imagine like a little spawner at the bottom that spawns trains on this little track right and each train has a color like and they're all coming out of this little thing and each one there's like all bunch of houses all around that like are on different tracks right and so what happens is at certain points you can tap the track and it'll shift it uh-huh. so like you'll be like one house on top and one house on bottom and if you tap the track it'll switch which train the track is going to go to. Um, And so these trains start kind of coming out of this little spawner and they all have different colors and you have to send them to the correct house Mm -hmm. by aligning the tracks Mm -hmm. um, in the correct way and it's like really good attention um, training for me especially. I love that game Um, just because it's, it's so heavily focused on like trying to keep track of like five things at once because it comes to a point where like it'll go down a track that will have, like, three houses along it, um, and it'll send, like, three trains. Like, let's say, like, it's, like, red on top, then, like, blue in the middle, and then, like, yellow on the bottom. And it'll send you, like, a red, blue, yellow. And so you have to get everything on that track, and then behind it, it'll send, like, a black, which will be on a totally different track from those three. Uh-oh. And then behind it, it'll send a blue. And so what you need to do is you need to send all three of those trains to that little area. Then you need to switch the track to the black, and switch it back once the black has passed. Uh But you also have to remember to switch the tracks for each of the trains that you sent to the other houses so they end up in the right Uh. one. So you have to, like, manage these, like, little tiny micro-tasks where, like, ten things are happening at once. And you're like, okay, I sent those three trains over there. They're going to get there in, like, one second. And I have to send this one over here. And then, like, tap those three (laughs) in order. Like, tap it, wait for that one to go. Tap this other track on the other side of the map so this one goes to the right area. And you have to, like, plan ahead for your tracks so that way you can... Like, forget about a train. So you try to, like, if you can organize a track to a, a certain house, you just send a train there, and you just forget about it. Yeah. And so it'll just go there once it's there. But other tracks have, like, a lot of weird stuff where you have to, like, remember them or, like, kind of divert certain things. Ken's mm-hmm. really healthy. It's super good. Do they collide or anything like that? They don't collide. They don't move very fast. The only thing that happens is if you send a train to the wrong place, you lose points. Okay. Oh, so, okay. like, um, that's all that happens. So it gets, like, pretty down to the wire. And that's one of my, like, best games so far. Like, I think I only have one level left of, like, all the levels. So right now, whenever I play it, it's, like, such a a brain. I have to be so focused because <laughs> your margin of error is, like, so small. Um, like, on the previous level, I had to get, like, it would send out, like, 44 trains And you couldn't progress until you got 43 trains. Mm. Oh, my God. So you have to be, like, super on it to get all your trains where they need to be. And I remember I got it one day, and I was just like, what the? Oh, my God, I've made it. I was like, oh, my brain, like, nearly exploded. It was so hard. But it's such a good thing. Like, luminosity, I would recommend to anybody who wants to, like, improve their brain or just make them, like, focus on certain areas that you feel like are weak or, like, your attention or your you know, memory and something like that. Maybe I should do it from memory. I'm always forgetting stuff. Yeah, I also have (laughs) a bad memory, so for me, it's really helpful. But those are all my worst games. All the memory games, I'm just like, I hate these. They're so so hard. But yeah. What about you, Ryan? What have you been playing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I've been kind of all over the place Um, in a way. Um... I've been playing Mario and Rabbids uh, Oh Game yeah, of Battle uh, that just came out. I heard it's actually good. Yeah, it's great. Um, from what I played of my like thirty to thirty minutes to an hour of it, which isn't <laughs> doesn't speak much to it. Uh, you're still in the tutorial at that point. the The combat early on is really simple. I'm hoping that gets harder later on, and that's fine. It's a tutorial level, and it's meant for kids mostly, and I could tell that that's fine. But uh, I could see that there's something there that I will like, and that's with the combos of stuff, like how you, uh, like you could do this dash move and hit an enemy, and you move another, you get some extra distance, and then with that you could jump off of another character and get even more distance. Hmm. So, like, let's say there's, like, some type of sniper, like, all the way across the map. Like, you move up one character and you dash and you hit a, uh, a person, whatever, a rabbit, And uh, then you could still attack the rabid, uh after you do the dash. They're there. And then, like, your second character does the same thing but meets up with your second character. You could, like, go, like, huge distances to, like, do all this. So I could see some potential in that um and then i don't know it's just like kind of a fun game like it's like you could tell that it's like purely meant for fun mm. you know um the entire idea behind the game is this uh <laughs> this like genius inventor girl makes uh uh this object that will combine two things together to make a new thing uh, hmm. And then all of a sudden, rabbits come in from, like, a different dimension accidentally somehow, <laughs> wreck her <laughs> wreck her no. basement that she's building in, and steal her object accidentally. And mm. somehow... And she's a huge fangirl of Mario. Like, <laughs> she has Mario posters and oh stuff. Oh
1: my god. So
0: they somehow accidentally combine her Mario posters and uh the rabbits and then it turns into <laughs> Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Like it's a weird Whoa. thing, but it's like kinda quirky and kinda cool and So like, they like yeah.
1: explain the crossover, they give a story behind it? Yeah,
0: like it's the first like five minutes uh of the game where that That's happens cool. and it shows like why there's a Princess Peach rabbit and it shows like oh. why there's a Luigi rabbit and like all these things. And um
1: and Luigi dabs? What Lu- was that thing? Luigi dabs, yeah. So that's kind of
0: in Twitter-verse right now. Um, so one of the things that happens is when Luigi goes into a pipe, um, depending on the circumstances, I think, uh, he'll do like a dab. And I'm dabbing right now, if you're wondering. <laughs> if you can't tell from your audio speakers. I can attest he's dabbing. Yeah, this is the most dab that I could possibly do. Um, he'll dab before going into a pipe, and like on Twitter, um, the somebody complained to the ESRB, like kind of jokingly, that uh, dabbing is like terrible, and like why would they allow it in like uh in Mario, and it should get like a uh, an adult only rating. So I, like, I, I don't remember exactly what they said, but then um. The ESRB is like we will look into this or something like that, or we are having internal discussions. And like the official Nintendo uh, Twitter account had uh, Mario, their Mario mascot, like do a dab, and it said dabbing is E for everybody, and then. <laughs> and then what
1: was it? And it's then amazing. the Sonic
0: account did it with Shadow. And then uh, <laughs> the Doom account, like the official Doom account, no got right. the Doom guy. They posed him in the dab. And then Mega Man <laughs> was oh in that. My Eventually God. it got all the way to Bubsy the cat. Well, wow. Yeah. And he's. I don't know. He did something. I guess. I don't uh, know. But yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> I recommend the game not just for dabbing. Uh, <laughs> wow!
1: That, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's a lot of fun if you like tactical games. Um, I kind of recommend it. It depends on like how much you're into them. It is not the deepest. Okay, I can't attest to later in the game, but so far it's it is not the deepest tactics game. But it's a good beginner one, and it's a good one like in between other ones because it's portable and it has really great graphics and it's just a fun world to be in regardless so if you just want kind of like like a fun little simple turn-based combat game you know that has mario and has rabbits i really recommend and it's funny like i didn't think that it would be funny because i always thought rabbits were kind of weird um I don't know, they were like the Minions before Minions were Minions. Mm, Seriously. Which is a little creepier. Yeah. Like, I can't do the voice. Uh, (laughs) But, no, it's seriously funny. Like, I'm enjoying (laughs) it. It, I'll give it like a solid 2.7 out of Rabid. It's Recommended. Cool. I like that, yeah. <laughs> two point seven rabbits. Like I, I don't know what metric that. The, that we is. have no metrics. We don't do reviews. Oh God, Um rabbits, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see other games I've been playing. I've been playing Splatoon two, um, and uh, oh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, on mobile. What? Yeah, there's a mobile game called Unchained Memories. Actually. That's the original name. It's now called um, something cross. I don't know. They they come up with weird names. Union Cross. I don't even remember right now. But it's
1: mix one point three. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's
0: two point eight. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I um. So it's a free to play game of Kingdom Hearts. That's turn-based, and uh, you have these medallions of your moves, kind of, so you could do either like just these normal attacks, or you could do like a special attack, and it has a bunch of missions that you have to go through, and you can invite friends, kind of, I think it's Union Crush, sorry, I'm being ADD, Um, but it's it's a prequel to all the Kingdom Hearts games from what I can understand, and it has kind of a minimal story to it. And I'm trying to go through all of the Kingdom Hearts to understand what is going on before Kingdom Hearts 3 is going on. Or it (laughs) happens. Comes out. Comes out. Um, And it's fun. I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, It's a free-to-play game, so you can download it for free. Uh, I haven't seen any reason to pay for it uh, in terms of, like, they're not, like, money-gouging. But I might throw them a couple bucks because I'm having so much fun. Mm-hmm. I but. always like
2: a free to play game that like just encourages you to pay when you start having a good time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I
0: respect that. I mean, they do have like these things where it's like, "Hey, pay fifteen bucks for this whatever." I'm like, fifteen bucks for like these medallions? I might throw like fifteen bucks over time, but not for like a single thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I don't know, but it's fun. I recommend it. So yeah, nice. Games are are kind of cool. We're all kind of cool. Games are cool.
1: We play games. They're neat.
0: But now we have to go to work. Oh, yeah. Put our notes to the
2: grindstone. Play the music. Here we go. All right.
0: All right. Let's go. (laughs) We're in work (laughs) now. That was all our mouths, by the way. Could you tell? Yeah, seriously though. <laughs> um, so, you know, we we make games, or we try to at least. Um, do we do we want to talk about work? Let's talk about work. Uh mean, yeah. do you want to go first? What what have okay. you been doing for this past month? I guess. All right. Oh
1: my gosh, um, so I'm still working on the same project. It's the fox game about this little fox named Fennel, and. Um, Right now, we just switched uh, repos because we ended up having a really bad um, bad time and lost some work, and we kind of had to rearrange and find our backups and what we had in our computers. And now we're on a nice paying for a nice little Git repo, doing that. And then the the thing that we've done most is just combining our graphics and animation. Into Unity and just getting things playing and moving around in the game and actually having some like actual gameplay and things you could do. Before it was just a lot of art and some uh, programming and none of it came together and everything was broken because our art updates weren't in yet. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we had um, because I re I reanimated the fox and I had redone some of his um, some of his like armature and bones and stuff. So he was, it was just all, it was broken. It was broken for a month. That whole game was broken forever. So now it's coming back together and we're getting things, things going.
0: What threw me off with that was that there was like a rescale of everything. So like I have to rescale pretty much everything that, (laughs) or I can just bring down the, the scale in the models. It's whatever. We'll figure it out. I'm yeah. getting back to it soon. Nice.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much just art and programmer merging. <laughs> yeah. That that was what was what we've been doing for the past month.
2: And preparing to get making, married. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I'm making um so we have so far we're doing there are different levels in the game. We've got the main character's home, there's this cute little cafe, and I'm working on a like a corner market. It's mostly like at first, it's based off of like the Animal Crossing Tom Nook stores like TNT Mart or Nook's Way. There's like tons of different versions throughout like all the Animal Crossings. Um, and those are based off of like Japanese corner markets. There's one called family mart which is probably like one of the best examples of it it's kind of like a 7-eleven here so i've been looking up tons of pictures of family mart and figuring out like how to make this cute little corner market um in the game yeah that's
0: it sounds adorable
1: it's that's pretty much the game the game is just (laughs) if anything it is adorable (laughs) got
0: something right (laughs) pure adorbs of gaming yeah
1: that's what i'm going for
0: Totes Adorbs approved
2: Nice <laughs> Aaron I have been Working on some stuff um, I made some concept art this month And just kind of Like having fun just doing little drawings With basically just silhouettes It's been enjoyable It's kind of like my own little relaxation time I just sit down and just sketch out some stuff And draw I have been playing video games at all for the past month or so, so I'm just substituting
0: it with art instead. Um, I see you're also working on your singing career, too, with that. (laughs) Slowly but surely. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: Yeah, I work on that in the shower every day. Nice. Like, 10 push-ups every day just in the shower. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> push-ups while singing in shower push
1: ups. <laughs> oh, wow uh, that's
2: intense you know, wow. you gotta just try and get as much done at, at once you know, Yeah, multitasking mm-hmm. I feel efficient use of your time <laughs> shower and work out and vocalize and practice you know um so that's also what I'm doing I also started working on a little bit of stuff with Game Maker today for the first time in a long time so nice. planning a new project to to get some new skills in actual game making instead of just arting all the
0: time. Are you, uh, are you using uh, Game Maker Studio 2 or 1 or are you using Game Maker 8? Oh, I think I have like 1.4. I have an old version. I
2: haven't updated it in forever. So I'll probably look into updating it and making sure I have a current version. Or, I mean, I don't know. I've been avoiding... Um, wait, Game Maker
0: Professional is the paid one, right? There's Game Maker Studio... And then there's like paid tiers with that. Right. I'm going to look into the paid tiers also. I feel like I need to, if
2: I ever want to do anything to like make a new habit, I have to start it with an investment or else I'll just never do it. Cause that's something I can always hold over my head. I'm like, you spent that money.
0: Yeah.
1: You spent that
2: money. Are you just going to waste that money? And I'm like, No. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to waste that money. <laughs> so I will not. I can't. That's I can't There's value
1: it. in that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It makes you have to commit. That's how I've been swimming. I bought myself a locker. Mm. And then I was like, you invested money into having a locker. So now you got to go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just, just got to trick myself. So yeah, that's about all I've been working on right now. What about you, Ryan? Um, so this month has been crazy. Um I think last time uh I talked about the app the the Solar Eclipse app. Uh so we got out um at that time like the first version, but that wasn't done. Uh and we didn't want to disappoint people. So we needed to make a fully featured app before the before the moon got in front of the sun. Um, oh man. You you have to race that. Like there there is a very very fixed deadline. <laughs> so much so. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it got crazy there, like, for two weeks I was working, I was crunching pretty hardcore, um, probably like 80 plus hour a week. Oh god. Um, Ugh. yeah, um, and, like, that just makes me kind of glad that I'm not in, like, a super toxic, like, triple A, like, job, just cause, like, sometimes you hear about, like, mandatory crunching And it goes on for a long time, and, like, people are doing, like, 60 or 80-hour weeks, six days a week or something like that, and it's just, like, burnout and all that. I only had, like, a week or two of that, and I, like, kind of hurt my wrist, uh, like, from just overworking. Uh, It's better now. I've been doing, like, stretches, and, like, I've been resting. I've been trying to make sure I'm not, like, programming as much. Um, it, It was really just, like intense um like time trying to trying to get uh these features in there cuz the app had to take pictures at a specific time based on your location with these specific settings and it would take like 140 photos and then it was supposed to upload them and it was supposed to upload them to uh a big mega corporation servers that we were partnering with and I don't really want to like throw them under the bus because um <laughs> I'm still working with them right well i'm right not working i'm not, I'm not working with them directly or anything like that, but like they they were having some issues, so we had to go with paying for our own servers uh from another makeup corporation that you know is a competitor hmm. um oh, man, yeah, and we just uploaded it to there and then we gave them. The photos afterwards like everything worked out it was just like intense um and then uh for the actual eclipse we we went up to nebraska with my boss and my co-worker and uh shandine was there and mm-hmm. uh monica her friend was there also and we got to see uh totality like the actual total eclipse and it's kind of crazy And cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, this is, like, how I kind of describe it. Like, before the eclipse actually happens, it kind of looks like, um, you know, like, in movies how they'll have, like, a color filter on a scene, like, kind of blue to, like, give it, like, this kind of feeling to it? Um, Or, like, yeah, kind of like a color grading filter or something? It kind of felt like that, and it was cooler, so it felt kind of surreal in a way. Mm-hmm. Like it, like what you saw was real, but it didn't feel like it was. And all of a sudden it turns dark, like just mm-hmm. all around you. And it you. gets cold. And it gets cold. And then uh, it looks like sunset all around you. And you could see like some stars faintly uh, around oh, it. Oh. And then the then the sun looks like it's like burning behind this like just massive black thing and it's insane and cool and oh my gosh it was so awesome it's really hard to describe um and we were driving up there in this like little compact prius c uh like on this dirt road to get like to this place and and i'm like i don't know it was it was so worth it um maybe not the crunching completely but i'm i'm happy that i was able to make an app that people were able to use and found value out of it. And it was actually, like, it wasn't featured in the App Store because uh, the Mega um, Corporation is competitors with uh, one of the other Mega Corporation, so they probably won't feature it anyways. So, whatever. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> I still can't say. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, uh, it was featured in, like, the Wall Street Journal and in... Um, Oh, I forget, like, some of those, like, mainstream, The Atlantic? The Atlantic, I think. Like, these, like, big publications that you're just like, oh, whoa. Like, they they featured the entire project by uh, by name, Eclipse Mega Movie, and they provided links to my app. So I'm like, yay. That's awesome. Yeah. We got, like. <laughs> some exposure. Yeah, we For got, sure. like, 23,000 downloads on my app. Um, which is kind of good. It's not, like, great, but it's, like... Cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So, that's what I was working on, and I wasn't able to work on any of my personal projects for a long time, um, until, like, last week, and then, um, started working on, um, a wedding invitation game. Whoa! Yeah, so... What? Yeah, we're working on that, um... And it's just, like, a simple little platformer, so hopefully we'll be done soon. And then uh, the other thing is just Fennel Fox. So, like, getting back into that. Oh! Last thing. Gosh, I was going on. Oh, my God.
1: This is going on for a while. Yeah, this is
0: going on for a while. This is the last thing, I swear. Uh, I I also made for the car drive up there a small... D oh, and yeah. D like rpg which i called a car pg mm-hmm. and it felt like it was supposed to feel like uh like a classic jrpg like final fantasy but it's like a simplified rule set to where the uh, dungeon master doesn't really have to do anything like all the number crunching and everything is done by the the players and the dm could just call out like random encounters and can do a kind of story with it um I'll I'm kinda of making an app with that now also. Um kinda I was I, I just threw together some like screens. It's nothing much right now. But I would like to do something with it more later on. So that's why I've been working on I've been doing way too much. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's been a busy yeah, month. There's a reason why this podcast hasn't happened in a little while. There was like a dump of podcasts and then all of a sudden like Dead air for a bit. So whatever, mm-hmm. cool. So that's what I've been working on. So, so we don't go too long in this podcast. Let's just move on to our topic discussion. We don't need music for this no. for <laughs> this uh, segue. I don't think I don't think we need to do that. Um, so for our topic discussion, uh, we were we were thinking of talking about conflict-driven games. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What, what does that mean, Shondy? Do you want to describe it? Oh. Um. No? Okay, I will describe it. Uh, so, <laughs> so beforehand, uh, I was thinking about, um, like, there's a lot of violent games. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of uh, games are, core mechanics are based off of, like, shooting, or based off of, like, uh, physical combat, things like that. And it's just kind of interesting how um, there's just a mass amount probably like a majority amount of games that uh, when coming to it from a designer point, like you kind of just automatically think, okay, how do I do an attack? Um, Whether that's shooting or jumping on something or slashing with a sword or whatever. um, That kind of just seems to be almost the default in a way. Uh, Even with games like super mario or zelda or metroid that kind of fits into the like jump to defeat um stab with a sword to defeat or shoot to defeat type of thing even though these are kind of considered more family friendly friendly games uh so just kind of like dissecting that in a way from like hearing from you guys kind of like what you think about uh conflict driven games and maybe like Um, games outside of conflict-driven games um, that you think are uh, enjoyable as well, um, or just kind of, like, different design conceits. You guys got any thoughts on any of that?
2: Yeah, um, well, I think, like, it's interesting to see so many uh, games that are so violent, because it is... I don't know, it's, it's something that, as... Like, I don't know. Right now, I feel like I'm kind of moving out of this, like, certain phase of gaming in my life. I don't know, like, a heavily heavy section of that was revolving around, like, violent games. Um, and I think that, uh, like, violent games are kind of, like, the natural, um, like, go-to, I think, for a lot of interaction, like you were just saying. that so just, um... Uh, how do you interact with something in a game, especially in a most like basic sense, because um sort of uh Oh man. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. Um yeah, just the the most like basic interaction you could make in a game is sort of like how do you how do you like t- reach out and touch the world, you know, in like a basic way, because that's sort of the most primitive interaction. And I think about um a lot of old games, like you had Space Invaders and you had, you know, like even like Doom was such like a, a pivotal game in sort of like the development of games. And I think that shooting for one is a really, really basic way of creating a dynamic in a game that isn't too complicated and people understand. Yeah. Like you shoot something and it goes forward and it hits something else. And it's because it's also fun to like aim something. Yeah. Um and so I think the, the evolution of those, like, violent games comes from a sort of, like, uh, a basic standpoint of just, like, what is easy and easy to conceptualize and easy to make for the most part, you know? Um, and plus, it also feeds into, like, the power fantasy and it feeds into um, a basic way that I think a lot of men, like, have, like, the fantasy of, like, you know, going off to, like, fight or of conflict is sort of the desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, like, a natural evolution of the way that games Go um, on, like kind of like as a as an early like an early evolving medium. Uh, These kinds of interactions seem very like simple to me, at least. But I think that we're starting to see a lot more games which uh, find that like they can make much more out of a game, and they can make more interesting mechanics and more interesting interactions. But it's definitely a lot more work.
0: Yeah. Um, Something. Something that I find interesting uh like some of my favorite games are like JRPGs which in some ways abstracts the violence just because it's very like stop and go like obviously there's still the the animation that hits but like the reward of it isn't the the direct um outcome of like I guess attacking all the time. It seems like
1: menu and number driven.
0: Yeah, it's very Mm. much like. Statistic based kind of games. Mm Kind of, yeah. Like, I'm not really thinking, like, oh, this is going to be. This uh, specific um, build is going to up my damage or whatever. Like, that's not what drives me, although that does drive a lot of people. Um, It's still kind of like founded on like this kind of progression. And I think. Um, I think that's another like underlying thing within like what you were talking about like this kind of primal not primal but like base desire Um, like either this kind of like this connection thing like you this not connection gosh I have to think about this for a second like um, cause and effect in a way Uh, There's the cause effect and then progression, um, which in all of these cases that we're talking about is directly represented through um, like these conflict acts, violent acts, uh, whether it's shooting or punching or or, uh, in a lot of RPGs, like just slashing with a sword. Uh, But like you were saying, it does like feed into these uh, kind of base ideas of, uh, immediacy in, um... It's kind of hard to explain. You know, like, there's this, like, immediacy of reward, Mm -hmm. of seeing, like, something being defeated. Um, while... Um, even, even though a JRPG is, uh, abstracted out from there. Like, it still, like, feeds to that base um... Base idea of like um, cause effect progression, while more abstracted games could still feed to that. I think I think part of the reason why um, uh, these representations are so popular is because um, it does add to that additional feeling of it. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling right now. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I feel like it's also, um, I wonder if part of it stems from, I mean, this is like, I think a larger cultural issue, but I think that as human beings, I think some of the most exciting things to us are of course like sex and violence. Um, and that's because they're like sort of like the hardest things to attain, but they're like really exciting and kind of primal. Um, and so I think that for a lot of people, like we definitely see a lot of, um, like in our media, we see like a lot of like proliferation of, uh, you know, like there's a lot of sexual stuff out there, you know, like even the like, entertainment industry is pretty sexual, even though it's not necessarily sexual, like inherently, but we see a lot of like beautiful people and we see a lot of right. um, like romance and like a lot of uh, our ad magazine covers are painted with scantily clad people or women or just like sexual bombardment is kind of a big thing. And I think violence falls under a similar category where it is also something that we see, really heavily in our media and i think especially i mean when when exactly were video games like kind of coming around it's like 70s 60s
0: 70s like i know tennis for two was like 50s and then actual stuff that was getting to like universities and to starting to go to consumers was like 70s
2: okay I wonder what the media was like back then, because, I mean, we saw, like, a there's lot of 90s. It's, like, action flicks was, like, really, really heavy right around the time. Maybe we were seeing a lot more violent games.
0: I know during, like, the 70s, there was, like, Star Trek, and, like, there's a lot of space-based games around that time, and then, like, some just core games, like sports, whatever, uh, westerns. And in the 80s, there was definitely, like, the action hero-like movement, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in uh and, uh, Predator and, you know, like Sylvester Stallone and Rocky and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh,
2: but I think it's also um, really easy to make... Or I think that people nowadays are going to come around to, like, exploring new ideas of making games that aren't violent. Like, we have, like, Animal Crossing as like, kind of come around that I know Dean's really into, and I think these kinds of games, like, feed into a different kind of the way that we interact, and they are a little bit less, like, intrinsically, like, rewarding. It's less of, like, an adrenaline rush. But I think that they're also, like, more valuable. Like, I know that a lot of indie games these days are kind of going in this route of, how can I make this, like, game non-violent? Like, we have, like, Undertale. um, Even games, like, Dishonored or, like, Mark of the Ninja uh, were designed to have non-lethal strategies so that the game can focus more on the puzzle aspect. Like, Portal is also pretty non-violent. And um, there's a lot of games that we're seeing that kind of have these facets. And I think that exploring play in ways that are non-violent is definitely way way more difficult as far as conceptualizing new ideas of play and engagement. Um, But I think that's sort of like an exciting challenge to take on, of how do you make a game... That's potentially as engaging as something that might be really action-packed, without violence. And I think that taking out the like, taking out mechanics like shooting, or like striking, are really critical to that. If you're going to make a game, because you can always say that you know you're going to shoot a paintball, or you can you're going to shoot a a golf ball, or you're going to shoot something else, or it's non-violent in that way. But I think the inherent mechanic of shooting or striking. Is its own kind of handicap as to your 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 conceptualization of creating a game that is nonviolent because you're starting from a place of violence and then um, nullifying the violence that comes afterwards.
0: Yeah. Not to say that like any of these games are like necessarily necessarily inherently bad. Uh, like I like Counter Strike Source. I played a ton of that growing up. Uh, I really enjoy the Zelda series. I really enjoy. Um A lot of these kind of like violent games, and not necessarily gory games, obviously, but like just in uh where you are striking or whatever um yeah. uh so really quick, Shandine had to bow out, so uh let 's continue on with our kind of discussion about this. We were talking about uh puzzle games uh and like how they 're abstracted um like mobile in general uh is kind of. Well, I shouldn't say mobile in general, but um, puzzle games in general, whether it be indie wonders like The Witness or uh, worldwide hits like Tetris or Bejeweled, or not even Bejeweled. What's what's the one uh, Candy Crush saga? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it's kind of interesting because like the way a lot of those work is they have like these high polish, maybe not. Um, Well, The Witness has polish in its own way, but they have, like, these, like, visceral, like, effects that happen. Like, you did great. And, uh, like, all these, like, particle effects and explosions and sounds that are going on in this that really, like, play to our dopamine Mm -hmm. system and, like, really give us rewards and saying, like, you did a great job. (laughs) Right. Yeah. <laughs> um you really nailed that three candies lined up and you're awesome for it. I'm just saying some of those uh levels later on are pretty well designed. Yeah. I've seen some of the design that they do in those games it is pretty
2: abstract after a while. There's some weird mechanics that start popping up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one thing that could really help like you're talking about is the fact that action games really are so dopamine heavy they really do reward that instant. Like every time you shoot a bullet, you get a little reward, right. if You hit or you miss, if you hit something, you're like, yes. So I think that kind of, if we dissect games, uh, if we decide, if we dissect the way that games make us feel these ways and make us enjoy these things, we can kind of create new ways of play that aren't necessarily violent. But I think that's one of the biggest design challenges is just trying to create something that's as exciting as those things without, it being those things. Um, I think that one thing that I really noticed with... um, I played a game this weekend called Brain Wars, which is sort of like luminosity, except it's competitive. You play with another player you randomly assigned to who's anywhere in the world, pretty much, Mm -hmm. and you play a quick, like, three-round game of three different brain games, and it's very competitive because it is very 1v1, and so you want to win against this random stranger, and you want to get better, and you kind of want to prove your your own mental dominance, you know? Whatever, that your brain is super fast and that theirs is a little bit slower, you know? And that's kind of a primal need. And I found that it honestly satisfied a lot of my personal need to uh, compete, that I really enjoy so much about games that are competitive. Counter-Strike is one of those like kinds of really fast-paced, really rewarding games because when you learn and you're starting to win more... And you're starting to overcome other people and you kind of gain this sense of mastery that is really rewarding and really satisfying. And it feels good especially when it comes from a real person. Yeah. Because having mastery over a game is, is its own it's fun, but it's not as satisfying as beating another person. Yeah. Um and so I think that if we can dissect the things about games that really do make us feel good or that we really do crave about that game mm-hmm. and try to break down that element and um, dissect the what happens around it and then try to replicate some of those elements in a new way, we can really get some interesting games Like, Splatoon is, I think, one of those games kind of where it it kind of has found the elements of a shooter that are really fun Mm -hmm. and dissected it into a way that it it can be more than a shooter, and it's not really a shooter, even though it does have shooting and, like, sort of, like, striking, I suppose, but not in a really violent manner as, you know, paint, and um, it really does exploit a lot of the things that make a shooter good, but without taking those violent elements with it.
0: There, There was another game that was just announced for, uh, the Nintendo Switch, part of their Nindy's program, uh, called Morphe's Law. Um, and it's, it's a shooter also, but they were kind of subverting, uh, some of the shooting mechanics. So like, you know, like with headshots, it's supposed to kill you mm-hmm. like right away, no matter what, <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, uh, and if it doesn't, then some 12-year-old is screaming somewhere in your ear. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, this guy's
2: hacking! This uh, is so stupid. This game is yeah. bad.
0: Well, this game, this game, instead of killing you, what it does is it shrinks that body part. Oh, yeah. I have seen this game. Yeah, and it makes that body part on you bigger. So it transmits mass from to you. Yeah. You mm-hmm. From the other person to you, and um, it's kind of like Splatoon in that there's uh, like certain amount of time of matches, and you have like these two giant uh, versions of yourself, kind of of your team that you're trying to make bigger than the other person's team. Hmm. So I don't, I just thought that was kind of interesting where they were subverting like the killing mechanics of first-person shooters in a new way, but still like Making the act of aiming, like precision aiming important and uh, a direct mechanic to um, to that um, especially as it gets harder to like hit like various body parts. and it also plays into like um, like movement throughout the the map because you could be too big oh, yeah. to, to get into stuff or you could be uh, too small to get up to certain areas or something like that but when you're too big you're easier to hit you know so it's just it's just kind of interesting how they're subverting violent i mean they're still using like the violent mechanics of shooting but subverting the the consequences of being shot mm-hmm. essentially which i think is kind of interesting
2: right yeah. i it does kind of pain me that these kinds of games are so taboo almost because i really do enjoy a lot of shooter games and it's a skill that I think as far as all my um, development into games it's been mostly with like first-person shooters and so it's kind of upsetting to be always surrounded by games that are either so violent that they're kind of um, overkill and sometimes the games just aren't quite as fun when they don't bring that realm of violence with them but I don't know if that's necessarily like because they're tied together, but because the mechanics just aren't done as well in games that are trying to be less
0: violent. I've still haven't really played Splatoon, so I think I need to try that at some point. But Splatoon's a good one. Overwatch is pretty good, depending on who you ask. I personally like it. I, yeah, I also I played a little bit of Overwatch. Still kind of. I mean, it's still got violent themes of. It yeah, it does have violence, but it's very much like comic book violence instead of like. Like, uh, re- re- quote-unquote, realistic violence, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not, like, blood everywhere. Right. But it's still, like, oh, man. Like, people are <laughs> getting blown up and everything. But it's, like, fun characters and stuff, and you're more meant to kind of view them as, like, superhero characters in, in this comic book mm-hmm. kind of world. Um, so more of, like, the pals rather than the... Yeah, pfft, you know? the squibs. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. Hmm.
2: Yeah, because I'm not sure exactly what. I mean. I know that there is a lot of violent
0: media. Do you think that that's going to change over time? So, in some ways, like I, I don't want to like completely say like violent media is inherently bad because um, we could learn a lot from it. Uh, um, things like even like classical texts like The Odyssey or like whatever, like pick pick whatever. There's like violent themes in classical Western. Eastern um North American like any any culture has like violent themes in their uh, stories uh partially as like cautionary tales or heroic tales or whatever that's like part of something that we have but I think I think uh something that I kind of want to get at in a lot of ways is also putting more celebration towards you know, kind of the, I guess, happier things in life, because <laughs> hmm. um, there could be like fun and competition in sports, and that's great, uh, but there could also be fun, relaxing, and say, gardening, um, and there there are some mundane games. Uh, I shouldn't say mundane, but like non-violent games, and some of them are mundane. Um, There's one that Nintendo made that I was super excited about. It was a street pass game. Hmm. And I don't think a lot of people were excited about this, but I was like, oh, man, this is like my jam. It was uh, a game where uh, you would plant uh, these plants and then you would crossbreed them with other people's plants. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. And you were trying to get 20 different plants to become a master gardener. Huh. and uh it like just checked all these like little things in my head i'm like oh hey i'm like growing this flower and i'm trying to get this thing and i'm trying to unlock that thing and um i think what excited me about that was partially because one it's a new completely new i haven't seen anything like it since or even before way to uh represent like somebody's hobby uh of gardening i haven't seen a gardening game outside of like Harvest Moon um but in very much like celebrating that aspect of life, you know, um, and I guess that's kind of like what I'm saying, like we have so many like violent games and violent media. Sometimes I just kind of want like something that's celebrating something else like food or gardening or, or origami or whatever. It, it could be so many other things. It feels like in so many ways we are kind of tapping out on uh the violence front um and again not necessarily that it's bad it's just like there's a saturation kind of like how there's a saturation in like movies and stories now mainstream ones where it's like the galaxy is in threat and you have to save it you know like it's kind of like tone it down yeah <laughs> make it more personal i want something kind of new and that's like what my personal brain is looking for now you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, that's something that I've also been um, somewhat experiencing and sort of like trying to dissect more because I think that the real mainstream media today is sort of the most adrenaline-packed. It's sort of the roller coaster ride of what you can get on a day-to-day basis without having to go on a roller coaster or like do something exciting. Yeah, um, you can kind of substitute adventure or or excitement or any kind of Adrenaline that you could find in day to day life with something that's super easy to consume and super simple. And I think that that's not really what art is for. I think that a lot of the best kind of art that is worth consuming and is worth uh, being a part of really stems from a human interaction or like stems from a. It teaches you something about the world or about yourself or about relationships or about growing or, you know, whatever. It teaches you something about what's happening and it's just shared experience. and so much media is not really um, working with that. And I think that's something that might not really be consumed a lot because it's harder to transfer. Yeah. And I think that that's something that once people get a taste of. They do want more because it is really helpful. Like, you can learn a lot from watching good films. Um, You can really improve yourself. And I think that that's something that is transferable, but not really consumable and not really exciting or, like easy to access for everybody. You definitely see how popular Disney films have become over the last few years. And a lot of those films teach you lessons about life and growing up. And they're hugely popular because they're more than just, uh, you know, interesting stories and well put together and beautiful. They're also impactful and that's why they stick around for so long. So I think that if we gear our games, trying to trying to find that middle ground between how can we make this engaging And fun and exciting and trying to merge that with something that is also impactful and powerful and moves people, then we can build something that's a lot more um, transferable, you know. And I think that some of the best titles do that as well. They have some kind of theme that people can resonate with or some kind of story that people can attach to or a a lesson to be learned about life. And that is really helpful. Um, But finding that middle ground is definitely super hard. And I think uh, I think one thing that would be definitely really cool is... I think that we shouldn't take violence out of games. Yeah. I think that violence is kind of a part of life. Just kind of like fear. Right. Conflict is always present in our lives. Even if it's not necessarily physical conflict. But I think that um, a game that can utilize violence uh, with intention... Is a lot more powerful. If you build a game around like uh, building a community... And then you're forced to violence that violence has a much stronger impact and i think it has more of that resonant factor of being utterly terrifying and uncomfortable and something you don't want to do right but a game or a film that celebrates violence makes it much harder to distinguish that this is like very terrible
0: yeah uh it's kind of interesting because like uh there's a, a game series that i enjoy uh it's the no more heroes uh mm. game series have you heard this i don't think so um it's by Suda 51 um grasshopper entertainment it was the first one was originally out on um the nintendo wii and it's a hyper violent game (laughs) like it's punk rock like japanese punk rock hyper violence um i I actually really still enjoyed the game but like what's kind of interesting about it is um i guess like some of the like just goofiness of the characters and like uh I don't know. It's hard to describe. Uh, Because there's, like, this stupid connection with the characters that you could enjoy. Um, But it's also, like, you just chopped off some, like, random dude's head. Uh, So, like, there's this, like, weird dichotomy with that. And you're you're playing as somebody who's trying to become, like, the number one assassin in the world. (laughs) So, like, there's this uh, drive to, like... (laughs) Like B number one, which is like this huge thing in like shonen manga and things like that, and like yeah. this, like drive forward, whatever. They're coming out with a new one. It's the third one in the series, and he gets sucked up into a video game in this one, which is kind of interesting. Okay, I, I don't completely know why I'm bringing this up, but like it's just kind of interesting. Like, um, I guess to me and like my consumption of media and things that I enjoy... Like, I don't play this game very often, but I was excited to hear that there was a new one coming out. But that I can get extremely excited about a gardening game, but I could also be excited about, you know, like, this game where you have, like, this lightsaber that you kind of shake in a kind of a suggestive way to (laughs) recharge it Um, that, you know, like, just obliterates people's heads off, you know. Like, I don't know, people are weird and interesting in that we can find value in so many things. Um, but that currently in our culture that the the amount of things that are geared towards this like kind of roller coaster ride are so prevalent. And I, I guess it's been true for all of media in a lot of ways, you know, but it's just like how how can we uh, get some of that same, I don't know, excitement out of uh, things that could, like, slow us down sometimes, you know? And mm-hmm. kind of, like, make us kind of reflect. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one thing we might need to think
2: about is, like, what is satisfying to a player because... I definitely know, like, there's a there's a certain satisfaction also in, like, winning or, like, conquering over a foe in a violent game. Right. Uh, I try to think about Borderlands without violence and without, like... Or if you substituted some of the violence maybe with, like, once you put a person's HP to zero, they kind of disappear in a glowy fog or just kind of, you know, leave existence instead of it being, like, you're dead. Um like, you just killed something or destroyed something. If it was less of that and more of, like, a more game-y mm-hmm. like violence, it was just about um, moving, the pa- moving the pieces that are in your way away. Right. And I think the game could still be fun, but I think it would lose a sense of that um, adventure and a sense of that, like, uh, overpower... That that feeling of like badassery that the game is largely built around about being like awesome, and I think that removing people by force or by feeling that you have like conquered over something is like a satisfying feeling on like a micro level. Oh, definitely. Um, I think that's why that game. Like, I feel like if you remove violence from it, it really wouldn't be as good. It would be like like the shooting mechanics are not that interesting. Yeah, what's interesting is is defeating foes and like killing people. I guess if you want to be like really explicit about it. Yeah. But but um, I think that. Like, you were talking about this game with uh, growing plants, and I think that honestly sounds pretty cool, too. Yeah. I think the thought of kind of, like, growing your own plants and doing this kind of hybridization and trying to grow your own
0: unique plants sounds, like, pretty cool. It sounds like a lot of fun. Um, Really quick, just, like, it's kind of an interesting one because it's a game that you're supposed to play only, like, a couple minutes at a time, by the way. Because you actually physically have to, like cross other people like not like get in fights with them or anything but like you have to oh. like physically like move past other people with 3DS's and then uh-huh. it'll talk to them and then interesting yeah so it's just kind of camp- like a good mobile game maybe yeah it's for uh, it's for the 3DS which had this thing called a street pass and then like when you would pass another person with a 3DS it would uh, swap data between the two oh, wow. and you would share like your me characters and they would have games and then they would um, interact in your games as well.
1: Wow. So, yeah, it's pretty
2: interesting.
0: Yeah, Nintendo does weird cool stuff. I wish more people tried
2: that kind of thing cuz that sounds like a cool technology. Um, where you kind of have these like people that get remembered in your in your in your uh, 3DS after you just like pass them on the street if you didn't like interact with them it still kind of gives you like a little bit of information that's like shared
0: between you two. Honestly, I hope they do something like that with the Switch also. Um, like, I'm kind of sad that they took out a lot of these features. Like, the 3DS and the Wii U felt like the most Nintendo, Nintendo products ever. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the Switch feels, to me, like, kind of a step back from that. But regardless, I this isn't a Nintendo podcast, though. I can talk about <laughs> Nintendo all day. But, yeah. So, uh, you were saying about... Um, like, a satisfying experience. Yeah. Like,
2: I think that... Like, what do you think... What other kinds of games do you think you've played that have sort of a satisfying um, or, like, filling uh, engagement with the moment-to-moment
0: gameplay that doesn't involve violence. Oh, uh, doesn't involve violence. I mean, uh, Tetris, uh, like, from moment-to-moment, moment, like, if we're talking about, like... <laughs> uh, Shandina and I will go to a bar a lot of the times, um, or a brewery. I should specify brewery because we don't have a ton of bars here. Mm-hmm. Um but we'll take the switch with us and we'll play tetris against each other and it's not like it's kind of against each other but it's also like kind of against ourselves like hmm. um just like trying not to lose <laughs> um <laughs> so that one's really good um mario kart in some ways although there's like the actual like throwing of items um i don't, I'm just like trying to think of like moment to moment gameplay that it's kind of hard to think of off the top of my head right now. I know Sean really into um Picross. Oh, uh Yeah, it's kind of like um think of it like a picture um crossword puzzle. Oh. Yeah, you're trying to fill in the picture based off of like hints that it gives you. Interesting. Uh on this grid. And it's really cool. It's a really good game if you haven't played it. But, like, uh, obviously there's, like, a lot of really good, like, puzzle games. But the problem with, like, puzzle games is that either uh, one of two things happens. Either it's Twitch-based and uh, you get a lot of, like, visual effects with it. Not bad at all. That's cool. Uh, and you could be really good at it. Like, there's probably some really great Tetris players around the world, you know? Hmm. Uh, or 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 it's very slow. Kind of like The Witness And it's uh, the moment-to-moment gameplay is very much a slowed-down experience with that. Um, The other satisfying like game is to me is things like Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing, kind of like we were talking about, where um, uh, you're kind of planning out your future in -hmm. a way, and you're like making goals player like driven goals and then trying to attain them either it's like furniture or you're trying to court this individual in Stardew Valley or whatever um i guess things like the Sims or like Sim City like there's a there's a whole bunch of like non-violent games but i guess in like Sim City you could like <laughs> i think depending on the version you could send in like Godzilla or something like that hmm. uh, yeah so um like there's there's a good number of them but I guess since what we're talking about is kind of like triple A well not necessarily well, not necessarily anything, but like yeah. I guess it's I guess it's just like percentage of like what there is versus like hmm. like there's it's probably like an 80-20 type of thing not saying any real numbers right there but it does yeah. feel kind of like I will
2: check those later yes check <laughs> those numbers yeah.
0: Ah. um got someone on these, right? yeah. yeah 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 um but it does feel like uh, whenever I'm talking to somebody who's coming up with, like, a new game, like, four out of five times, it's um, it's something like, oh, you are Galandrithil, and you are the saver of this epic land, and you must get the Sword of Amethyst and <laughs> uh, defeat the dragon or something like that. And it's not bad, but it's also, like, you know, it's uh, predicated on... Like, going out on a quest and killing something. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily that four out of five people are coming up with this, like, epic (laughs) fantasy. But it's, like, uh, four out of five times, it's, like, there's probably going to be some sort of, like, violent mechanic. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's sort
2: of the thing. is it's It really is hard to get out of the bubble once you're in it, you know, because we all are surrounded by all these violent mechanics. And we a lot of the time, like, there's a lot of games that we enjoy these mechanics, and there's, they're smart, you know. Like, I love Mass Effect. It's got a lot of really cool uh, combat in it, and it's got some fun things. But they're all, you know, predicated around violence,
0: you know. Um, and but, a lot of people would say, like, those games aren't known necessarily for, like, the the combat. Like, you'll, they'll say, like, oh, the combat is so much more better in Mass Effect 2, but they'll say, like, what's cool about Mass Effect is the dialogue. Systems. Yeah, the relationships that you build and stuff is, is definitely
2: what makes that game more. Like, it has systems that are really good across the board. Um, it feels good to talk to people and to have conversations about things. And it's not just that, but it's also a very full game because you also get to have these I honestly really like the combat in Mass Effect for me it was one of my favorite polls because I played a lot of Gears of War and Vanquish and third-person shooters. And yeah, I, I found a lot of really interesting things that they did there there as well. Um, and so I think that makes Mass Effect so good in a lot of different ways. But, yeah, um, you know, just as a side, you know. Um, but I think that uh, it's hard to get out of that bubble of making non mechanics. Like, it's hard to push yourself to really do that when so much of what you know and what you've built your like game design ideas around are around like the sh- shoulders of giants, you know, when you're trying to like ride off these people who've already done this kind of thing, it's really hard to not make something that isn't violent, um, or it's hard to make something that is not violent. Um, yeah. And so it's it takes something else, and I think that I wonder if the way that we can change the way we think about making games could be um, because I think something about. Um, a lot of violent games is like you're I think you could almost think about any satisfying experience as being satisfying because it was a feat almost right, right. you accomplished something you know and whether I think in a lot of shooting games that's like a feat of, of speed or a feat of accuracy or a feat of, of maneuvering or of tactical prowess and those things all feel really good they're, they're accomplishments in some kind of way and I think that that's what makes people enjoy those games so much. Is there's like a couple. Of, there's a lot of different layers of feats that you can accomplish within that that make you feel satisfied. Right. Um, and I think so. If we think about the ways that what are the feats that you your game might accomplish, like a feat of intelligence is what makes a puzzle game good. A feat of creativity um, is also another way that a puzzle game can be interesting or like that another game could be good. And I think sure. if we maybe rely more on starting from that point rather than starting from like a mechanic. But starting from an idea of like what kind of feats will you overcome in this game and what kind of mechanics can I build to make a satisfying um, feat of something? You know, it can really help you change the way maybe that you um, build around what you want to do because you can make a feat of speed. Yeah. You can make a feat of accuracy and have it all be nonviolent. But if you have to like kind of address it as it's a feat of accuracy, you know, how do you make a feat of accuracy without a violent And it can still be fun for people and still be enjoyable and still use the skills they already have, but just in a way that they haven't really engaged with it before. Yeah. Um,
0: Uh, Kind of of going off that, it it just kind of reminds me, like, in a lot of ways, like, when I'm thinking about games, um, I kind of think of, like, controller input and, like, how the the player interacts with the the main character um, or main mechanic And, like, video games are very, very, very good at uh, conveying movement. Um, So, like, this very direct uh, kinetic type of, like, translation from, like, um, input on a controller to, like, what's on the screen is very easy to do. You know, like, um, a lot of the times it'd be like, okay, let's move a box forward, left, right, whatever. Um, so a lot of our games are based on like a core movement idea. Uh, and when you put in something, um, with that, um, like even our base real life games like tag or, or, um, I don't know, just, um, dodgeball, (laughs) I don't know, just, um, are just kind of like predicated on like this, like combat stuff. Uh, along with, like, movement. So, like, we're able to, like, pretty easily um, create the these translations to that just because, like, the easiest thing to do in games mentally is to get, like, this kinetic stuff, and our verbiage around movement is really easy. So, like, when you say, like, oh, uh, what does your character do? Uh, well, he runs, they run, they jump, they... Um, shoot, they teleport they shoot fireballs they shoot two things apparently I guess Um, so coming at it from like uh, the idea of movement and verbiage for how games are made uh, kind of starts limiting you in like starts, I shouldn't say limiting you but kind of points you like in a direction rather than like checking all 360 degrees like kind of like what you're saying with feats you know like how do we do a feat of an intelligence or a feat of accuracy that doesn't necessarily have the ideas of like okay how's the character move and what do they do you know
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i think that um
2: well yeah i suppose that it doesn't necessarily predicate those things but i think that if you can try to build, like, uh, around those ideas. I think it's it works really well. I mean, maybe. I don't know.
0: I, I'm just saying, like, it's really easy to translate from, like, movement verbiage mm-hmm. to to that because you could say, like, based off of this verbiage, this thing will happen. Not necessarily that, um, that it will automatically, like, your verbiage will automatically be towards, like, shooting or whatever like that, but it's easier to get to that based off of, like, um tools we have now, uh what past work has been, and our influences. Hmm. Uh so if we were more influenced, like if there were more games like Animal Crossing out in the world, our, our first verbiage would probably be like, okay, you could buy, you could sell, you could trade, you could talk to friends, you know, things like that. Hmm. Um but because a lot of our history within video games is uh based off of things like uh, Doom or adventure or Zelda or or Contra or movies, um, you know, like our our mm, kind of okay. like standard like ideas are going to be like move, shoot, jump, crouch, whatever. And with the tools that we have now, like uh, Unreal, Unity, uh, I don't know about Game Maker, but a lot of these have like asset stores or things built into the engines. Like there will be a um, a first-person shooter starter pack. Um, and it'll have, like, all the all the stuff already there for, like, shooting, moving, jumping, things, whatever. So you could already get in there. So, so it gives you a space to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we had that for, like, other things as well, kind of like, um, I'm just going to keep Animal Crossing in my mind. Like, if Animal Crossing was, like, the big influencer, like... Uh, we said like, oh, sitcoms are the things that influenced uh, game designers rather than action movies. Okay, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> there there might be Jerry a Seinfeld yeah, Rambo. <laughs> yeah, there might be I uh, uh, um, I don't know a first person sitcom starter pack instead, mm. you know. Um, but because our our again, like just kind of retreading this, uh, because how we think of. Um, uh games as v- verbs and mechanics based off of movement um will will tend to go towards what has influenced us in that aspect which is just action right yeah it's
2: interesting to point out like what's available you know like your resources or how you make anything and so tapping into what you already have what you already know about another game is definitely like a huge huge influencer yeah um yeah man i think i think that's honestly good i think it's it's uh i think that breaking down like the ideas of what your game is going to be like beforehand or maybe looking for asset packs or resources that can help you make those things easier can be a better way to like i wonder if you could start altering that kind of view of because i definitely know like even unreal engine has a lot of stuff built in towards like genres it's sort of like biased yeah um which isn't a bad thing. I think it just shows, like, what's being made more of. But I think that if they were to branch out, like, I don't know why there aren't, like, like an Animal Crossing pack. I feel like if someone were to set those systems up for me already, like, how do you buy, trade, do this stuff? Like, these kind of systems are in place. Like, yeah, a, a pseudo shop that you can just drop in place that already has some code attached to it that you can build a store inside of or build, like, these mechanics into the game. It kind of takes out one barrier of how easy it is to make a game like that and you don't have to build these systems yourself and I don't know I don't program so I don't know if that's necessarily like a difficult task but
0: um, for me um, like I wanted to make like um, not necessarily a narrative game but one that did have like a bunch of like dialogue in it I guess um, so the the guy who made Night in the Woods uh, the programmer for that um, I'm forgetting his name right now but he made a tool called Yarn for that and he made it open source And some people made uh, some interpretive code, so they'll actually read it in and do a whole bunch of stuff for it for Unity, um, and kind of get into your game easier. So there's like this tool set. I already wanted to do that, kind of, but this just made it like easier. So there's like some things out there that will help it make it easier, but again, like access to tools I do think can help like direct um, uh, content, honestly. Like, if you have a screwdriver, you know, you're probably going to (laughs) try to get some screws. Yeah. Uh, Or if you have a hammer, you're probably going to, you know, try to nail something. You Mm -hmm. know, it's really dependent on, like, what you have access to. Right. That's a good point. Huh. So then does that mean that, like, the problem is just saturation of,
2: like, well, I guess not necessarily. No, it's definitely not because of that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just because
0: there's not enough assets for other stuff. No, there's plenty of assets out there. You can make whatever you want now. It's just, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. This is like very much like chicken egg, whatever you know. Um, And I don't think it's like necessarily completely a problem. Just more of like something to think about, rather than saying like, oh, violent games are bad. There needs to be less of them and more of these games. More of like, hey, we have a lot of violent games, and that's interesting. Why is that? Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a good point. I don't know. It's it's
2: just so easy. Yeah, and <laughs> it's I, so I easy think... to make a game where you win by hitting something till it has no HP left.
0: Yeah, and I think that's like my main thing. It feels not necessarily lazy because all games are hard uh, to make, but it, it feels like low hanging fruit. You know, mm. like yeah, absolutely. The fruit up higher is still tasty, and so is the fruit lower. And yeah, you know. right. Yeah,
2: I think we just have to find ways to make more satisfying games that just, like, are satisfying in other ways. Like, I love creative games. Like, I really, really do. But there's not, like, creative games. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, another thing that I think is really important is I think the nature of competition is also super critical to making uh, bigger populations around certain ideas. Like, yeah. I think the fact that, like, there's so many really famous, like, shooter games and um, games like that is really dependent on the fact that they're all multiplayer-based. Yeah. Halo's huge and so are a lot of violent games that are all like shooting each other but that's because like they have a lot of different skills that can be measured against other people and that's really satisfying when you're good at it Um, and I think that if we take games and made them like a little bit more competitive then it feels more satisfying to win when you actually play those games like I imagine like if you could play portal where you're racing another person or you're racing like 10 other people and you can see them like in the room with you or something like that makes that much more exciting to win. Um, because like a high score chart is definitely like exciting and it feels good to be on top, but it's not as competitive as like, playing a game of chess with another person. Right. Um, And I think that's why we have so many sports. Like our biggest sports are all competitive sports. Right. Like there aren't just solo sports where someone just does something on their own. They're always competing against somebody else. And that's why they're satisfying is because winning against another person is like a feat of of accomplishment as a person, of being
0: slightly above someone else in your aptitude. Well, there there are things like figure skating and like dancing as well that, have a competitive nature uh that don't have the interaction oh, between like the two individuals directly mm. uh they do have like a third party yeah uh, that's a good point uh kind of judging it but you know it's still like a, a competition uh like today i was watching um the some of the smash bros tournament that happened recently hmm. and something that kind of interests me about like um fighting game communities and, like, competitive game communities in general is just, like, um, when <laughs> when they're good and chill and whatever, um, they can be very strong and they can be uh, kind of cool to hang out with. And it's kind of cool that, like, all these people kind of gather around and make friendships around, like, this common thing, you know, like, whether it's, like, Gears of War or Smash Bros or... League of Legends, or whatever, and they're getting huge, you know? Like, there's, um, there's, like, entire events just for, like, these games where hundreds of people will come out and, like, um, play against each other. And I don't know, there's, there's something kind of cool about that in a lot of ways where, um, and this, this is, like, the reason why I don't want to, like, say, like, oh, violence is bad or anything like that is because, like, these games are bringing people together. Uh, to create friendships and rivalries and, like, friendly competition. And sometimes there's, like, drama and there's toxicity within these uh, communities, too. And I'm not going to say, like, that's okay, but it's... I'm, I'm not even putting, like, a button in there, like, to counter that. I'm saying, like, um, it's cool that games can have the power to bring people together. And, uh, I guess the communities need to figure out like, how to chill out in some ways for their toxicity, <laughs> but it's cool that we could bring friendships together, and people can get around that, you know. Um, I don't know, that, that, that's just something I've been thinking about lately. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's true. I think it's definitely a good thing. Games are good, like they definitely are good for a lot of things. And bringing people together is a, is a solid way to, to really make it more
0: than just a game totally so we've been talking about this for a while um so i don't want to take this uh podcast like forever so it's mm-hmm. kind of like like let's just like say goodbye you <laughs> know like whew, that that was that's intense good conversation what do you think yeah that was
2: definitely interesting i always feel like these discussions are just healthy as kind of like a way to explore ideas You know. Um, in a way that we don't really do on our own Uh, having another person in the room is definitely super helpful I think there's a lot of stuff we kind of like uncovered about violence and like why their games may not be as popular Um,
0: yeah I hope the listeners enjoyed that as well Um, so yeah uh, I guess let's just kind of plug our Social medias and sure, yeah, and just say goodbye.
2: Um, if any of you guys want to find me, I'm on Instagram mainly, where I share a lot of my work. So if you're interested in that, you can find me at Aaron Varshay or at A sorry, which is A Y E V A R S H A Y. Otherwise, I'm on Twitter at Aaron Varshay. You can find me there.
0: Sweet. Uh, for Shandine, uh you could find her on Twitter at Shondene S H A. N D I I N. I almost forgot how to spell her name for a second. I just had a brain <laughs> fart right there. I uh, definitely follow her. She posts a bunch of cute pictures of our cats, of our game of art. She does. She does amazing art. Um, so definitely follow her. Um, I think she also has a Tumblr. Um, I think it's also just shandine.tumblr.com or something like that. Um, and for me, uh you could follow me at subliminal man uh s u b l i m i n a l uh M-A-N. uh and you'll see this cool little wizard cat thing and that's me i post a lot about video games and stuff i'm working on and uh i'm going to be trying to tweet more about uh fennel fox so yeah definitely follow uh cool i guess we'll Head out. Again, thank you to um, Michaela and Ken for giving us uh, our intro music. So, yeah, definitely check them out also. Uh, thanks for listening. Oh, before I head out. Oh, my gosh. I always forget this stuff. I should, I should remember this. Oh, my gosh. Uh, if you have any questions that you want to send in to... Uh, uh, so that we could discuss and be like, hmm, yes, mm, yes, mm, words, indeed. words, yes. Um, please send them to uh, gamevoidpodcast at gmail dot com. That's uh, game void v o i d um, podcast. Uh, so yeah, definitely do that and follow us on Twitter at gamevoidpodcast. Uh, and yeah, please like, share, and subscribe, as all the cool kids say. Goodbye. Next slide.